Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. As Zad. Kelberman. Chack and Zad. That's right. Here we are. The Chack and Zad Show. What's good, Zach? How was your weekend, big dog? It's pretty good. You know, I'm always happy to hop on here on Sunday nights to kind of, I guess, start a new week, not really wrap up the previous week, but we got some... uh, no offense, talking points to go over. I'm just always happy to talk Broncos football. I hope you had a good weekend as well. Hope, uh, Scott, you have a good weekend as well. Everyone out there in the chat, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, and as Diamond Rattler says, boom, let's ride, baby. Let's get into it. Diamond Rattler has been such a patient, patient boy. I mean, first of all, wins the Demarius Thomas jersey. Then I can't find a Demarius Thomas jersey to save my freaking life. Then he's like, you know what? How about we just can I just convert that to a rust Jersey instead? I said, you bet your bottom dollar. Let's do it. So I order him one and then I go about my life. Right. And then he reaches out to me. Uh, I don't know, a couple days ago. He's like, Hey dude, I haven't seen that. And I, and I'm like, really? Didn't sh- didn't show that there was any availability issues when I ordered it. Let me hop in and look at the order. And it shows delivery date. I can't remember. It's like first week of May. And I was like, and I ordered it March 16th. I'm like Judas priest, man, they must be spinning some rust jerseys, but Anyway, Diamond Rattler, thanks for your patience. All will be known in due time. Good things come to those who wait. Pick the cliche. You know we love you. But, Zach, the whole Sunday thing, that started – I mean, that whole the whole seven days a week Mile High Huddle podcast thing, that started because when are the games played? They're played on Sundays, you know, most of them. And Zach and I, we cut our teeth as far as our pod with the gut reaction going live immediately after the game. Uh, and even before we were doing them live, Zach, doing a recording uh, episode of the Huddle Up podcast immediately after the game. So we had fresh, you know, subject matter to sink our teeth into and then turned into Monday. We used to get together, what was it, once a week and we'd record two episodes, right? One kind of reacting to the game and one kind of previewing the next one. Yeah. Man, that was fun, but it's not as fun as this. It was literally scripted, though. Remember the scripts and all that? I mean, we really, I think, overthink it, but it's because of you guys that we're on here as often as we are. It's because of you guys we have a podcast literally every single day of the week. We're so happy you guys are enjoying it, and as always, we're so grateful that you guys are tuning in with us. Oh, no doubt. Love you all. And we love Sam Bam with his um, upturned collar and Huddle Up Podcast Football Priest t-shirt. He says, uh, evening, Chad and Zach. Evening Broncos country, five months to go till the let Russ cook era starts in Broncos country and we get back to winning ways. Go Broncos. Yeah, Zach, you know what? And thank you, Sam Bam. If the Broncos are going to get back to, to the winning ways, um, Albert Okawebunam is probably going to have a little something to do with it. And it was kind of interesting. That one 
radio appearance that Noah Fan made last week on the Stokely and Zach show on 104.3 The Fan ended up triggering three different articles, three different individual bits of news for us to kind of digest at Mile High Huddle. There was the you know um, message to Broncos country, like his parting message. That was good. There was him. Well, I want to get to this because we haven't actually talked about what he said about Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio. There was that part of it. And then he also, and by the way, David Wilder, great to see you, buddy. Appreciate you. Yes, indeed. Let's ride. Uh, and then, Zach, there's what he said about Albert. Oh, let me let me go ahead and drop some knowledge on you guys. If you missed that, here's what Fant said about the Broncos' new tight end one. Quote, I think Albert's got all the potential he needs. I got to spend a lot of time with him and a lot of time with Eric Saubert last year also. For Albert, it's all about what he's going to make of it. It's a great opportunity. From my specific position, he's going to have to compete for targets a little bit. That's a deep receiver room. But I think he's got everything it takes to get there. Love the dude. Love the player he is. Love his game. I'm excited to see if they take advantage of his speed and his downfield threat ability. That was also something Fant uh, picked, a, picked a nit with relative to uh, Pat Shermer. But back to Fant. A big dude can play an insane catch radius. You've got a weapon there. It's going to be interesting to see how they use him and how he develops that relationship with Russell Wilson. I think he's got all the tools to get there, though. He's just got to put his mind to it to get their closed quote. I think it's definitely complimentary for uh, Alberto and it's, it's, it's classy of Noah fan, even though he's not competing with Alberto any longer for snaps, he was for quite a while. So there's always that natural competition, even between teammates. He realizes his physical stature. Uh, Noah fan does about Alberto. He notices what he can do, his potential, where his ceiling is, but it seemed like almost maybe an underhanded dig at Denver, how they're going to use him If they can use him, if they can get him going like he should, and if they can divvy up the targets for Alberto with all the other receivers in the offense uh, trying to cope with Russell Wilson. But he's just, to me, the cherry on top. He's going to be a move tight end, an attack tight end. He's going to be a seam stretcher for Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. And uh, I think what he can do down the middle as a safety blanket of sorts will help out the offense. And it's just going to be the cherry on top, I feel like. I want to come back to that because specifically Alberto's outlook and kind of handicapping what's what's in store here. But – on the subject of Noah Fant kind of wondering, you know, hey, here I am with my four or five speed and explosive talent in many ways squandered for three years in Denver. Let's just hope that this co new coaching staff understands what it has in Alberto, who can also is actually a tenth of a second faster than Noah Fant, and he's about eight pounds heavier and an inch taller. So Brandon Stokely, former Broncos slot receiver, now the uh, co-host of his own show on 104.3 The Fan, he kind of posed this question, Zach, real quick. The way he postured it to Noah Fant was, I basically felt like, Noah, you were squandered. Uh, your talents under this past coaching staff, what are your thoughts? And here's what he said, dude, quote. Yeah, I agree, man. I feel when I came into the league, that's what I was drafted to do, right? Get down the field, make those explosive plays, and kind of that be that pass-catching tight end. Over my time in Denver, I felt like that narrative kind of got muddled down a little bit where it was more of a focus of me catching balls out in the flat or whatever it may be and then trying to be a shifty guy, an elusive guy, and try to break as many tackles as possible to get my yards, whereas I viewed myself as a downfield threat, get in open space. Then I can make things happen. It was a little frustrating being used in the short field. Obviously, that's a part of the game, and those intermediate routes are important, which I can do also, but... Definitely with my speed and things like that, I was drafted to get more down the field. Hopefully that works out in Seattle, close quote. There's more, Zach, but your thoughts to that. 
It, well, you know, he makes a lot of good points here, and the rap on Noah Fant from Broncos country was that he never broke tackles. I mean, he never made yards after catch. But that was the thing about the Pat Shermer offense. It wasn't designed to go vertical. It was designed to go horizontal. How many times did we complain on this podcast, Chad, about let it being third and eight, let's say they throw for seven or six yards, and they always ask the receiver to break a tackle to get the first down. I literally despise that brand of football, and that brand of football is what Pat Shermer employed. But Noah Fant is right. He should have broken more tackles for sure. He should have shown a little more on his own and not just blame the entire coaching staff for his, uh, his, I guess, flame out in Denver. But to use him the right way would be to use him down the field. Again, a seam stretcher, north and south. Get him 20 yards, let him do a button hook, let him do a slant, let him do a comeback, but move the chains. He's a chain mover. He's an athletic guy. He's never going to be an all-around George Kittle blocker included or Travis Kelsey, but as a receiving weapon, uh, the potential is there for Noah Fan in Seattle. I will say that. Howie freaking day. What's freaking good, dude? Great to have you. Appreciate you being with us. So here's another thing on this topic. And yes, Noah Fant, if you think about his, Zach, most explosive plays as a Bronco, think of that 80-yarder, that tutty in Houston. Think of his 70-yard uh, touchdown in Cleveland, or against Cleveland, I should say. Um, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here trying to think of some other big plays. But his most iconic happened. scoring plays, yeah, that's true. They were, though, caught short take it to the house type situations. Now the one, the Cleveland one, that was a planned screen, but still what he's talking about dump offs into the flat. You're not the first read. You're not the second read. You're not the third read. You're the safety valve, right? You're the check down. Uh, it had to be frustrating for a guy that, you know, was so was capable of so much more. Now shifting gears real quick here on the same subject. Uh, it was kind of postured to him, Zach from, from, um, Stokely and Zach. Hey, you know, uh, it felt like Vic Fangio was like head coach of the defense. What are your thoughts on that? Basically. And he said, look, quote, I think you bring up a good point there. When you get a head coach, they're going to specialize on one side of the ball. Vic is hundred percent, an amazing defensive coordinator. But when you have that, you've got to have a really good offensive coordinator to take the offense and run with it. Shots. First example comes to mind is KC. Andy Reed is an offensive guy, but he's got his defense set. Obviously he means with the, coordinators that he's hired so he doesn't really have to worry about that side of the ball it makes them a good team you get a lot of coaches that are like that where you look at the other side of the ball you've got to have essentially another really good head coach or offensive coordinator on the other side to really balance the team out I thought that we could have been better in that area <laughs> but I think Vic from what he had from what he did with our defense from as many injuries as our defense dealt with from scheme wise and the numbers we put up you can't really argue with that and then, Zach, last thing here, uh, he goes on to say uh, that Vic Fangio gets a bad rap, you know, as far as being the old school dour, scour, you know, uh, scowling guy on the sideline. But he does say, look, he's his own acquired taste, close quote. But your thoughts to that? You know, I find it interesting, Chad, considering he had such bad quarterback play with the Broncos. I mean, what superstar quarterback did he ever catch passes from? That would be zero. He didn't mention quarterback in any of those comments. He didn't talk about Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he didn't mention the, the quarterback play. He put it pretty much all in the coaching, and he said – in no uncertain terms, Pat Shermer was incompetent and Vic Fangio kind of harbored that or didn't do anything to upgrade on that. I, I really do believe about 95% of what Noah offense said there is correct. I would agree with it. But yeah, I'm stoked on Albert O. I think, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, and that's a big if with Albert O. Man, you know, Russell Wilson, he's never really been the guy that 
makes the most use out of the tight end. But this deep into his career, even though it's been 10 years, Zach, we it's hard to say at this point how much of that was schematic or coaching emphasis and how much of that was just his own kind of predilections as a quarterback. Let's grab Travis Weber's very generous super chat here, Zach, and then we'll announce the winners of the raffles from Facebook and YouTube. We've got some jerseys to raffle off tonight. Travis Weber, big dog, big T, as we like to call him here on the Huddle Up Pod. He says, good evening. I got in trouble with Facebook, so I'm watching here on YouTube. Uh-oh, sharing too many political memes, huh? Good luck to those who are in the drawing for the jersey. Go Broncos. Well, you got me on that one, dude. Maybe, maybe uh, something like that. I don't know. Um, Wilder says, say what you will, but Noah was a great teammate. I, I think so. Yeah, I think Noah was pretty well liked. And that was another thing he brought up. Uh, Chad, what's going on, big dog? He says, I can't wait for the draft now. Only a few weeks away. Let's ride. Indeed. Uh, that's something that, and Phil, what's up, dude? That uh, Noah Fant brought up was that he felt like, first of all, he found out about the trade the same way we all did. Media reports. So he didn't get a phone call, a former first-round pick three years removed from his GM or the co- his head, new head coach saying, hey, Noah, just want to let you know you're going to be hearing about this soon. So we, we wanted to we wanted you to hear it from us first, but we just traded you to, to uh, Seattle. He had to hear it that way. That kind of pissed him off. But then, you know, he was a little bit hurt, obviously. You know, it's the same principle like with what Bond dealt with. Even though he was a superstar going to a great situation, there's that feeling of rejection and all that. But he, he in it, in describing Zach, his feelings on the trade initially, he's like trying to rationalize and understand. He's like, you know, I did everything they asked me to do. And I really felt like we were, we were building something and I was going to be a part of what we were building here, something special. And, you know, they kept drafting people and I would get in with these guys and like help bring them in and all this. And then, you know, off I go to Seattle. So Noah Fant really felt like he was um, a real team player. And I think he was. I mean, the way he handled himself after the trade, he could have really not so been been not so diplomatic and not so professional talking about Albert O or anything else. I think he handled himself pretty well, and there's it's pretty indisputable to say he was wasted as a first round pick. And I kind of feel like also he was overdrafted just a little bit. I think him and T.J. Hawkinson both, and there were loftier expectations, you know, uh, foist upon him. Versus if he was a second round pick or so. So Noah Fan did pretty well to take advantage of what opportunity he had. But when you're in an offense run by Pat Shermer and when Teddy Bridgewater's throwing you wobbly passes for two yards, what are you really going to do? I hope for his sake he does well. I hope for Drew Locke's sake he does well in Seattle and Shelby Harris. But I'm excited about what the Broncos have in Alberto. I think he's going to be what Nathaniel Hackett wants him to be, and it's going to help out the offense. Everyone will win from this trade. Well, uh, we'll come back to this. But guys, <clears throat> time to do our raffles now as you know on on youtube where, where it comes down to our super chat superstars the top five finishers cumulatively their names go into a hat all right winner gets a broncos jersey of their choosing we can only assume in most cases it's probably going to be rust so let's do that now <clears throat> DWI guys cross the pond. Appropriate, aka Ethan, who is uh, uber supportive on the on the morning programming here for Broncos for Breakfast. So Ethan, congrats on that. But you know what? As a runner-up only in this drawing, but as a legend in the flesh, Michaela Parker is also going to get a little something something. Nice. Michaela, we'll have a little something something coming your way. So appreciate you. And let me grab. 
the Facebook. Okay, ready? For the Facebook jer uh, jersey raffle, the winner is... Congrats, Jacob Foster. Congrats, Jacob Foster. And then let's do a runner-up. Mark Schrader. Congrats, Mark. Big time, uh, another great morning show supporter of the morning content. A little care package will get sent out. So uh, congratulations to the winners. We appreciate you. You know, you're in the conversation for the raffle because you have shown the most support uh, of what we do here at MHH. And it's not just the Huddle Up podcast. It's the Dove Valley Deep Divers. It's Broncos for Breakfast and all the podcasts. So much love and respect. We appreciate each and every one of you very, very much. Small token of our appreciation. It's a small thing we can do, but we we talk about it all the time on and off camera, how appreciative we are of every single one of you and everyone is uh, so uh, instrumental in what we do here. So congratulations to all the winners and uh, thank you again. Albert, where did you get that deed? Whoever, I'm, I'm guessing it was Michelle. I need to know where she got that jersey, dude, just for my own sanity and peace of mind. She says, I got a DT jersey for my birthday last week. Okay, where did she get that? I need to know. Uh, Scott, I, I, there we go. Richard Anthony in the house with the super. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Appreciate that big dog. Um, so Albert on this, uh, hold on real quick. Sam Babs. Thank you, bro. Very generous. Number two tonight. He says, I'm watching the videos of Russ throwing with the receivers. It's got me pumped. My future fantasy team wants to know which Broncos wideout Do you think will be the top fantasy receiver? Non PPR league. So in PP non PPR comes down to yards and tutties. To me, I still don't see it being anyone other than Cortland Sutton. I really don't. Uh, Jerry, if it was PPR, you could maybe convince me, and maybe even Timmy P, but I don't know, man. The thing is, as good as we've seen all three of those receivers be in their careers, Zach, you know, it's like when you when Peyton Manning came to Denver, you thought you knew what you had in Demarius Thomas. You thought you knew what you had in Eric Decker. You know, they were two years into their respective careers, but you realize that no the previous quarterback iterations with those guys from the Kyle Orton's and Brady Quinn's and Tim Tebow's were only scratching the help as far as helping them as players to scratch the surface of what they are capable of. And, you know, Cortland Sutton, he's product produced a pro bowl caliber season once with Russell Wilson guys. I don't think we can with accuracy fully predict how much the Russell Wilson tide can raise their ship. So, I would get, uh, you know, I don't want to get too far out, you know, out over the skis, so to speak, but you're going to see some production from this receiving core. Yeah, PPR, I can make the case that Jerry Judy is going to lead the pack. There's, I hope and I think the Broncos will find ways to get the ball into Jerry Judy's hands on a consistent basis. But non-PPR, we predicted the other night that Sutton will probably lead the Broncos in touchdowns. So like you mentioned, I'm going with Sutton for that reason. But regardless, whether you roster Timmy P, Cortland, even KJ, you know, the Broncos receiving core is going to be so deep and, and Russell Wilson is going to be like a point guard dishing out passes to each one of them, hopefully in an ideal world. So they're going to be much better in fantasy than anything we've seen since the Peyton Manning days you were talking about, Chad. Albert Knopper says, uh, do you think George Payton still has something up his sleeve during free agency? And that kind of ties into another story. You guys heard us mention this on, uh, last week on the show, but um, Teran Matthew, a.k.a. the Honey Badger, has officially been linked to the Broncos through the intrepid reporting of one 
Jordan Schultz of ESPN. So who knows? I mean, I could see, I don't see anything like tectonic happening, Zach, on the free agent market for the Broncos because, you know, they, they got to hold on to a good portion of what they have left in cap space to sign the draft class. Plus, you got to hold on, <clears throat> pardon me, to a little uh, Evan Mathis money come training camp because you don't know how that uh, attrition is going to shake out relative to the injury bug. So I don't think they have the room to go out there and be too big of players. But I could see a couple of value-type smart signings like a Matthew, depending on what he's looking for, like a bringing back a Kareem Jackson, something like that. But the big blockbuster kind of tier one stuff, I mean, first of all, most of those guys have already been signed up. But that's about as far as I see it. How about you? I think the same thing. It's it's To me, it's likelier that Peyton will bring back one of the former guys, meaning either Kareem Jackson or Melvin Gordon. I read an interesting thing from Pro Football Talk, by the way, that uh, Mike Florio heard from a leak source that Melvin Gordon's market value right now is $2.5 million on a one-year deal. Fall, far fall from grace for Melvin Gordon, but I could see George Peyton bringing him back. That's pretty much nothing for an RB2 if that's what he's going to be. I wouldn't look for Tyron Matthew. Uh, I just think it'd be a luxury move that George Payton's not going to make. He needs some money, like Chad mentioned, uh, Evan Mathis fund, a slush fund, whatever you want to call it, rainy day fund. You also want to set aside some money for the draft class, what picks they have remaining. They're going to have to use money to sign them up as well. I don't anticipate a big move. I think the likelier one would be a former player. By the way, guys, if you were a winner of the swag, even if you think we already have your information be sure to send an email to milehighhuddle at gmail.com and give us your uh, shipping address, T-shirt, slash jersey size. Uh, Dave Bingaman says, Noah Fant was also drafted to freaking block. I assume you're talking about Fant, right, David? Um, and, yeah, you know, he made some strides in that area, but I just don't think he was ever going to become Shannon Sharp in that sense. Shannon, who was, like, not only not a good blocker, but – a liability as a blocker at a certain point. And he finally, you know, had to, had to come to, you know, who type of conversation uh, with his coaches and uh, took it much more seriously, you know, took it upon himself to really learn the craft and he became a, a good blocker. You know, it's not his favorite thing to do, but he could block the second half of his career. Shannon Sharp could block. Maybe something like that, Zach uh, is in the, is in store for Noah Fant, but you're missing the forest for the trees. If you're really trying to, um, I mean, you got to be able to plausibly be out there so it's not obvious. Like when Jimmy Graham was on the field, for example, you knew there was going to be some some more often than not, if you're keying in as a defense, you knew that that was probably going to be passed. Uh, you don't want to be that obvious. So you do need to, as a, as a tight end, if you really want to make yourself as um, available as possible, you got to take that seriously. But Noah Fant was drafted to catch touchdowns, dude, and catch passes down the field. I can't even think of a deep pass to Noah Fant that connected. Can you? Like, seriously, I can think of some Noah Fant big plays, but like he detailed in that quote, it was catch a slant, break a tackle to the house, or in the flat, shuck a dude, tippy-toe down the sideline, turn on the Jets, that kind of thing. I mean, technically, it was a job description of Noah Fant. As a tight end, you have to block, uh, but he wasn't drafted for that reason. It's like saying Von Miller was drafted to cover tight ends. Just because he does that and it's a responsibility doesn't make it his primary function. Noah Fant's primary function is to catch passes, make yards, make plays, make touchdowns, help the Broncos offense be more dynamic. They did not use him in that capacity. Throwing flat passes for two yards, dump-offs to Noah Fant, a seam stretcher is a shame. 
It's a football crime that the Broncos have committed the last couple of years. He has his own warts for sure. He's not the best blocker. Um, he doesn't break enough yards, whatever. He's had injury concerns. But if you use him correctly, hopefully for his case, like Seattle will, you will see a player that can help the offense, what he was drafted to do. That means through the air, catching passes. But really it was last year. And by the way, real quick, Rodney, hang tight. We'll come back to you on Chad Moomis. Just stay where you're at. Um it was really only last year that Noah Fant just seemed to be so easy to bring down, right? Like we would lament and complain about just how easy he went down on first contact. And I wonder if that was for him some kind of a subconscious rebellion of what the scheme was asking him to do, what the coaches were basically asking him to do. And he's like, look, I'm not going to go crazy trying to break tackles Um you know, maybe it's not even something he thinks about, but on a subconscious level, he's like, look, I'm not having fun. This is not what I want to be doing right now. His mom also passed away. I'm not to make excuses for, for anyone or not to excuse his poor blocking or whatever, but um, he dealt with a lot last year. He's still a young player. He's still in that impressionable era in his career where he can be molded based on the coaching staff, what they want him to be. And he even said himself, he's played for a defensive minded head coach the head coach of the defense. And who was the offensive coordinator? No one dynamic, no one exciting. It was Pat Shermer the last couple of years. So I wouldn't be shocked if you were on to something, Chad, if if subconsciously or consciously Noah Fant did not like playing in the Broncos offense. And honestly, who could blame him? It's like it was the exemplification of a offense playing not to lose. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, how do you play offense not to lose? It's one thing every single oh, drive of every, every single drive. game. Yeah. Who would want to play in that system? I, I wouldn't. Rodney Garcia, thank you, my friend. Uh, he says, question for you guys. Would you draft Wyoming linebacker Chad Muma in the second round if he's available? Love you guys. We love you too, Rodney. So at pick 64, Zach, if Chad Muma's there, and he's been, you know, his pro day, Luke went up there, uh, covered at the event for us, and the, the buzz that was coming out of that pro day in Laramie was um, – formidable about Muma. I mean, there's a couple other NFL prospects there plying their wares, but every NFL team that was there basically was there to see Chad Muma. He's very good. I would consider it if he's there at 64, but I think, you know, you also have other fish to fry that are arguably bigger uh, than off-ball linebacker with the way the roster currently sits, but I, I would not hate it. Like if Chad Muma was this team's first pick in the 2022 draft, I'm not hating that. You got to get inside George Payton's mind, which is obviously impossible to do, but he brought in two inside linebackers last month. He brought back Josie Jewell, added Alex Singleton. So how much is he really going to prioritize that position? Realistically, maybe I would definitely consider Muma on the second round, but maybe only if he had a, if his right tackle that was ranked higher, for example, was taken or a cornerback that he liked was taken or an edge rusher. I think those are all bigger areas of need. Muma would be a nice pick, but he's not a guy that I'm running the draft card up to the podium for, if that makes right. sense. Uh, the Duchess, <clears throat> we love you so much. Appreciate you. Everything you do, you are the bomb. She says, I would love K-Jack, Kareem Jackson, back rather than going out and signing Honey Badger. Thank you for your time and hard work. Congrats to DWI and the other winners. Yes, indeed. Love you. Appreciate you. What's your uh, response to that? Would you, all things being equal, if the money was the same, who, which of those two veterans would you want? 
That's what I was going to say. The thing about Kareem Jackson is I, I think he would be a lot cheaper than Tyron Matthew. I think the only reason Matthew's unsigned is because he wants so much money right now. Happens all the time. I don't know what he's asking for, but how much could Jackson realistically cost? No one's beating down his door. So maybe $5 million bucks on a one-year deal, incentive-laden for Kareem Jackson versus maybe spending $10 million on a one-year rental for a luxury player like Tyron Matthew. I'm not going to cry in my Cheerios if they sign the Honey Badger. I'm not. It's going to add to their defense. But they have an all-pro safety already. They have two young guys they like. How much more help at that position do you need when that money and those resources can be applied elsewhere? That's my take. If this was still the Fangio scheme, I would probably err on the side of bringing Kareem back more, all things being equal. But Honey Badger's 29. Kareem's entering, I think it's his age 34 season. So to me, that would be the biggest kind of, how do you weigh it? Kareem's already got chemistry and experience in the locker room and the culture, but he's you know five years older. Honey Badger can come in and probably give you better production out of the gates. He's definitely going to help you more in coverage. That's my biggest kind of problem with Kareem is he really slowed down as a coverage safety uh, the last season and a half that he was a Bronco. But you know what, Michaela, I wouldn't hate it. I'd still dig it if the Broncos brought back Kareem because I think it kind of, you know, as long as, as that kind of touched on, as long as the finances made sense and you're not cutting off your nose to spite your face, just being able to plug him right back in next to Justin Simmons, you know, that safety valve, that security blanket behind a guy like Patrick Sertan, behind a guy like Ronald Darby, I think it could really be helpful. A Twitch one here, we uh, Rao Blitz, rate RAL Blitz. What's up, dude? He says, G'day, boys. I'm expecting Russ to elevate the offense the same way Peyton did when he got here. Alberto could blossom into the next Julius Thomas. Patrick, the next Decker and Sutton, the next DT. I'm still hoping we do more for our defense, hashtag state of being. And we can tell you're, you're not in the U.S. of A. with the way you're spelling defense, the way you're spelling offense with the C. So we love it, dude. Thank you so much. Where are you? Are you from down under? G'day, right? Are you in, are you in Australia? Either way, Broncos country is not a geographic location, y'all. It is a state of being. I appreciate you, Ralph, for sure. Uh, the only thing I'm going to kind of nitpick is uh, Eric Decker and Tim Patrick are two wildly different receivers. You can use them in the slot, but Eric Decker was much shiftier. I think he was uh, just a more explosive receiver. But, yeah, they're going to make the entire offense better, and that's why I'm not tripping about no offense departure or having Albert O as a starter. That is just the – the, the the cherry, again, you have all these other good receivers. You have a great running back. You have a great quarterback. If you can get great production under your tight end, the more the better. They are loaded. Eric Decker, man, what could have been if he wasn't so hated by the turf monster? That's all. That's what I'm always going to wonder. Uh, wonder. Keep me up at night wondering, man, Eric Decker and that turf monster, dude. One of He caught one of the two completions Tim Tebow threw in that away game in Kansas City. <laughs> two completions on i think it was like 11 attempts for tim tebow and the broncos won the freaking game dude andrew baker what's good buddy he says do you think we finally use the jet sweep for more than just a decoy uh that never got used mhh for life i don't know man um i don't remember if i'm thinking back to green bay scheme and i don't want to pretend like i'm you know an expert on all things green bay packers but i don't remember a lot of jet sweeps um, but, you know, if you have a guy that can run that for you, you want to work it into your offense here and there. It, it became so forced, so contrived, so obvious under Pat Shermer because it never was given. The ball was never given. So defense is quite quickly deduced. 
oh, okay, yeah, this is just some window dressing here. We'll go ahead and just sit on our heels and wait for the snap of the ball. We're not going to shift. We're not going to, you know, it was just so obvious. <clears throat> but, you know, if you can give that ball to KJ Hamler, who could freaking bust ankles going east-west, bust ankles going north-south, here and there, you know, see what happens. I, I would expect to see it a little bit. It was literally the only pre-snap motion the Broncos ran was a fake jet sweep to Jerry Judy, the same player. Um, I don't know if they're going to see more jet sweeps, but I can say that the the intended recipient of the jet sweeps, Judy in that case, is going to see more action for sure. So let's just put the Pat Shermer offense to rest, and hopefully Hackett's is. It's got to be so much better. By the way, I see from John Santistevon, we drafted the wrong tight end from Iowa, talking about TJ Hawkinson. Zach, when we were at the Combine that year, uh, you might remember this. I was like, you know, TJ got up there and like openly wept when he was asked about Coach Ferentz and his his Iowa experience. Like you could tell, man, he was just like happy-go-lucky. Like he was the type of guy that didn't realize how damn good he was. And he didn't realize like how coveted he had become as a prospect. He hadn't even worked out, I don't think, yet on the field. So everything was production-based from from being in Iowa, no athletic testing quite yet. But being in the room for that, where a grown man, a grown young man, albeit, but a grown man is up there weeping as he talks about brotherhood, as he talks about mentorship and things like that. Um, you know, I was like, dang, this is the tight end the Broncos need, this guy. Noah Fant, when he stood up at the Combine, he was very much more polished than TJ. He was obviously much more used to having a microphone put in his face than TJ. And he was much more me-centric than TJ in how he responded to questions and whatnot. Um still kind of karmic justice, I think, that it was TJ who ended up being the first tight end drafted in that class and not Noah Fant, although I became a big Noah Fant fan. Zach, you can probably remember I did have some of my some misgivings about him just based off that. You know, when you're in a room with somebody and you can talk to them and you can see their, you can read their body language much more intuitively, you kind of get a better, a more accurate, I think, beat or vibe for the character uh, between the ears for some of these guys. Well, I, I think they're both overdrafted, like I said, and I'm happy the Broncos didn't overdraft Noah Fant like, like the Lions did T.J. Hawkinson. Both are good players, and I think both are suffering from the same things, quarterback play, coaching to an extent. I think both can be solid NFL pros still, and I'm not going to fault the Broncos for making that pick nor the trade down that landed them Dalton Reisner and Drew Locke as well. I think all things in that deal, all things that went in the first couple rounds of that draft, I'm never going to give them crap for it. Desert Creature, thank you for your patience and for the super chat. He says, I'm I'm sure we're all looking forward to a great year. I mean, dude, Russell Wilson, you know, it's one of those things where if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan and even Bronco fans, if you try and put yourself back in the emotional place you were from like not 12, but say 13 through 15 before the wheel started to come off for Peyton, you know, you just had this kind of um, impervious to it all you know, we got a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. Like it's one of those things where you kind of start taking things for granted, right? You forget what it's like to suffer in the wilderness. Um, and Seattle, they're gonna they're gonna be reminded of that quite quickly. The reason I bring this up is they probably felt like Russell Wilson's like, you know, be obsessed by the process stuff and all that. You know, it was probably old hat to them. To them, they're probably like, Yeah, whatever. But to us, it's like oh my gosh, man, this is what we've been missing. Like, this is the mana from heaven, talking about being in the wilderness. So yeah, it's going to be fun, dude. I can't wait to see what this thing looks like ultimately because we're not only trying to speculate, Zach, and project what Russ is going to look like in this offense. 
but we don't even know what this offense is going to look like yet. I mean, we can guesstimate based on what things looked like in Green Bay, what things have looked like in San Francisco and Minnesota and whatnot, but it's going to be an amalgamation, Jacksonville, all that. And uh, I don't know. It just makes it all the more fun. Like when you really don't know, like the married dudes and gals out there where you think you know what the missus might've got you for Christmas, but you don't really know. And you're like, when you finally get it and you think you might've known what they were going to get you and then you open it and it's not what you thought it was, but maybe it's even better than what you thought it was. That gratification through the roof. If I'm wandering the desert for six years and I come across Mr. Pibb, I'm not going to get upset because it wasn't Dr. Pepper. I mean, the Broncos have had such crap at quarterback for so many long, so so many years now, so long, and they get delivered Russell Wilson, who people say is breaking down. I've had people in my mentions on Twitter say, "Oh, just give it a couple years, and the facade will wear off." I don't care about that. I'm excited for this year. We've been through so much as a media covering the Broncos, as Broncos fans, Broncos country, the Broncos themselves, with all these subpar quarterbacks getting Russell Wilson. Mana, I think it's the perfect word to describe him. I'm going to be obnoxious about it at least until September. And I think a lot of Broncos country feels the same. It's that the way I feel emotionally is that meme of Vince McMahon coming down the, the aisle, right? That, that's how I feel right now. It's just like kind of a wild, exuberant, excited confidence about what's to come. Kenneth Booker, could it be KB, Kenny? AKA the man in the house with a super chat, dude. How you been? How are things? He says, what are your thoughts on Tariq Cohen for a change of pace back and possible returner? He should be cheap. Zach, real quick to give you some background on Tariq Cohen, 26 years old. Uh, let's see here. Currently, is he under contract? No, free agent. So for a second there, I was looking at his over the cap and it showed that he had he was under contract for 2022. So for a second there, I wasn't sure, but what are your thoughts? Cause here's what he made last year. 1.4 million base salary, uh, total cap number of 3.2 million. I don't really like that, but what do you think? It's not a bad idea, but I feel like they have, um, just three going on the roster by the name of Mike Boone, you know, a shifty, backup running back. That's uh, a possible returning option. I, I just don't want to spend the money if I don't have to, Cohen was a decent player in Chicago, but they already have a running back they don't use. And I kind of want to milk him for what he's worth while they're paying him the money they are. You know, we talked about it on previous podcasts. He's making legitimate money. It wasn't just a one-year flyer deal. They gave him pretty decent commitment, and I want the Broncos to get the most out of Mike Boone. So I would consider rolling with him. This, this, is, this is how I feel inside, guys, right now. If you can see, if you were – some of you, you know, 15,000 of you will be listening to this, but – on the screen right now, we're seeing Vince McMahon do his goofy kind of like, I'm hecka, I'm the dude, I'm the man down the, uh, what do you call that? What do you call it? The strut. The, what is it? The McMahon strut. Yeah, but I'm talking about the walkway, the oh, tunnel, okay. the ramp. The ramp, I don't know. But anyway, thank, good job, producer. Um, KB, you the man, you the man. Uh, G Hill, ain't nothing but a G thank baby, says, let's go Russ and hack it. George, keep it going. Hashtag MHH for life. Thank you, G. Really appreciate you. Um, Cottonmouth78 in the house. Good to see you, buddy. Hope you've been well. Says, hey, guys, here's a couple gallons of gas. Yeah, two. Two and a quarter? Well, it depends on where you're at in the country, I guess. But uh, he says, keep up the great work. Thank you very much, my friend. Helps keep the lights on. Seriously. 
Careful uh, what Travis got banned. I think we have this <laughs> on Facebook for talking about. So careful. KB says uh, Pat Shermer applied at my job and got fired in a week because that's what happens if you suck at your job, unless you work under Vic Fangio. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, incompetence. Uh, I look ten years younger. Says Rick. Oh, because of the stash. Yeah, you know, you got to mix it up sometimes. But uh, yeah, incompetence, man. The, it's ironic, Zach, because the NFL is the ultimate production-based business, but it usually, you know, it has to come out on the wash. Like it has to, you know, co coaches, for example, are measured based on a body of work, usually in a season-by-season -season kind of way. Why he was kept after 2020 for any other reason other than Vic Fangio's pride, I can't fathom. Please tell me, Kenny, that one of Shermer refer references on the application was Tom McMahon. It has to be. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's that's too good to pass up. But uh, I'm just happy. I mean, just thinking about it, Chad, like, can you fathom? The Broncos' offensive coordinator last year was Pat Shermer. Of all the people in the football universe, they were saddled with him. It's just amazing to me. It's, it's how we came out of that and entered the light. It seems like so far ago, but so recently as well. So let's see. He's technically unemployed right now. Oh, <gasps> no way. I'm making sure I'm not tripping here. Yeah. So Shermer has not taken a new job quite yet. Wouldn't surprise me if he has to do the Mike McCoy thing and wash out of the league and then maybe hope to come back. Billy Musgrave. I mean, the Broncos, if you, that's why it's kind of sketchy. You want to take a job as a coordinator? Rich Gangarello, college. Billy Musgrave, college. Mike McCoy, after taking a year off college you're getting sent down dude you're getting busted down i don't know dave from georgia what's good bro thank you buddy he says i take merlot for another year at 2.5 million but still draft a running back in the later rounds knowing that pookie is the undisputed rb1 great pod guys hashtag broncos country hashtag football priest thank you dave hope you've been doing well buddy yeah, Dave's the only one that helped catch on the Merlot nickname for Melvin Gordon. So I appreciate you, Dave, when you bring it up. 2.5 again for Melvin Gordon. I was willing to pay him maybe $4 million to bring him back on a one-year deal. So I would consider that. But I'm still team draft a running back and on the day three and have the three-headed stable be Javante, Mike Boone, and that rookie. But we'll see. That we shall. Um, for those who are wondering Merlot, what are you guys talking about? Remember the uh, DUI that ended up ultimately going away? And uh, the reporting, eventually, we learned that he had had a, one too many cups of wine or something like glass of wine, whatever. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was Zach's comic relief creation that we had some laughs. We had some laughs over that one. Uh, Rodney wants to know, how many primetime games do you think the Broncos will have this year, Zach, after having, well, one, right? One last year was a Thursday night game. Yeah, that Case Keenum beat the Broncos. Good time. Yes, yes. First time in what, you know, the Broncos had the active, the longest active streak of Monday night football appearances um, that came to a crushing, crashing, ceasing halt. What do you think uh, your answer for Rodney? I think they're going to be given three. And I think the first one is going to be against the Rams on Thursday night to kick off the season. But I think they're going to be flexed into two more games as the season goes on. The Broncos start winning games. They have the Russell Wilson star power now. So I'm going to guess three when we see the schedule. What is it next month? It changes every year. It's either, you know, late April, early May. So, and then two more when they, uh, when they flex during the season. By the way, I know this is kind of a weird segue, but I'm looking at Mike Boone's measurables here. 510. 206 pounds, 
and and wearing Clinton Portis's number like he's almost exactly the same size almost he's Clinton Portis depending on this year played like around 220 believe it or not like people view Clinton Portis in their mind's eye as kind of this like shifty guy but Portis was actually pretty thick freaking running back dude he just had phenomenal vision and great um you know if he got the if he got the open field man he was gonzo but i was i just i don't know what it is it's from Clinton Portis, but ever since I love running backs that wear two six for whatever reason. And compare him, I'm looking up Turi Cohen right now. Cohen's five six one seventy nine. So if you want that role that Kenny was talking about, I'm fine with Mike Boone filling that. Uh, Phil says, "Great show, thank you, buddy. Always a pleasure listening to your expert info. Oh, you're a sweetie. Appreciate you. You demand, Phil. Thank you for the stars as well. It really does add up and make a difference for us." Uh, we're sitting here at 44 minutes, so we got a little bit of time, but we're on the tail end of uh, tonight's live stream. Yeah, Rodney's saying congrats to The Undertaker for being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I assume that's wrestling. I can deduce this, but I don't know anything more really about that. If I mean, it's like actors, I guess, getting put into a, some kind of a Hall of Fame. I don't know. As soon as the scales fell off my eyes and I, I learned that it was all fake, dude, like the storylines and all that and and the fate of each match that it was predetermined, like I lost complete and utter interest in wrestling. My brother, though, he's still a huge fan of it. Wait, Undertaker is the dead man walking. So what do you mean it's fake? He's, you know, I, I just, it's weird. They have a hall of fame for sure. Um, I was more of a cane guy in the, in the, in the peak of the WWF slash E but uh, good for Undertaker. It's weird to see him out of character, though. It's not this menacing, brooding guy. Just thanking, uh, he you know, he thanked his faith and he thanked everyone. It's just a cool, cool moment, I guess, in wrestling. You know, it's weird for, for someone Zach who couldn't care less about wrestling. I have watched a alarming number of like wrestler-oriented documentaries, like Resurrecting the Snake about Jake the Snake Roberts. I watched that documentary, which. Was a pitiful, pitiful situation, um, but still a very good watch. And then there was the other one I watched recently on um, the Million Dollar Man. I forget his real name, DeBoss, DiBiase, Ted DiBiase. Uh, yes, that guy. Uh, that was an interesting watch as well. And just like how they get, you know, tapped on the shoulder. Like you either get tapped to be a star or not. Now that's not to take away from the work these men do put in, and and women as well the work they put into, you know, crafting their bodies, wrestling moves, like all that stuff in that sense is very real gladiator, you know, gladiatorial. Is that how you'd say it? Gladiator uh, type stuff. It's just that when they step into the ring, none of it's real. Like a lot of the moves, like, Hey, if you hit the mat, you're hitting the mat, dude. Like that's real, but just the, the outcomes being predetermined. I don't know what it was, dude. Like I just, it bothered me, but there is still a lot of interesting drama. I just find that it's more interesting learning about how the industry affects the individuals. By the way, one of the greatest movies of all time, yes. The Wrestler. Yes. Mickey Rourke shout out won the won the the uh, Oscar for that. But that's a that's a phenomenal movie, dude. I love that movie. I was gonna say that's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, and it's just so phenomenally acted. Uh, and, and the ending, just the way it kind of leaves you. I'm not gonna give anything away. It's just great all the way around. If you want to kind of learn about what happens to a wrestler when their star 
dims and burns out. That's what happens, and it's it's really good watch. Anyone who hasn't seen it. And what the prolonged effects of year after year of of the wear and tear combined with prolonged use of steroids, what that actually does to the human body in the in the long run. It's pretty terrifying. Uh, okay. This is not a WWE uh, broadcast, but still, G. Hill says Undertaker and Kane on the O-line for us would have been great. LOL. One of them has to work out at right tackle, so I, I, I'd give it a shot. That's pretty do they got? Do they got the height? Do they got the 6'4", 6'5", 6'6"? I think they're like 6'8", 6'9", or 7' or whatever. They're, they are massive. They're both – it freaks of nature. That gum. All right, guys, I'm trying to think here if there was anything else I wanted to grab before we dip on out of here. Um, news bits. Let me refresh my memory real quick here. Got that, got that. I think for now we are pretty well caught up. So, Zach, unless there is a, a burning topic on anyone's mind, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. We'll see you tomorrow night, so let not your hearts be troubled. Have a great rest of your weekend, everyone out there. Thank you all for tuning in with us tonight. Follow us on Twitter until we see you guys next time at Huddle Up Pod. Follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow our producer, Scott Kennedy, at Scout Kennedy. If you want to grab some merch, it's right there, huddleuppod.com. And also follow our page, facebook.com slash Pod. And please, guys, if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But if you can't do that, please do these three things that help us grow more than anything else. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHA channel. Really helps us, like I said, grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Yes, it does. And congrats again to the winners of this past month's raffle. Uh, don't forget to send an email to milehighhuddle at gmail so we can ensure we have your deets. Um, but shout out to these great supporters on Facebook tonight. Andrew Baker, Chad Beach, Rodney Garcia, Dave Wilder, Phil McLaughlin, and Howie Frickin' Day. And then our great Super Chat superstars, starting with uh, the in Facebook jail, Travis Weber, Sam Ben, Richard Anthony, The Duchess, Desert Creature, KB, Ain't Nothing But a G Thang Hill, Cottonmouth78, and Dave from Georgia. Much love and respect. We'll see you tomorrow night. And, you know, we're kicking off a new week, so we probably will have some kind of fun, interesting news to break down tomorrow night. Take care, and as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.